jasoncharles.net. Deep talk, talk, deep deep sounds. Hey, this is Evie Grieve. The following podcast is not affiliated with East Village Eye, the monthly magazine of popular and avant-garde culture that existed in print from May 1979 to January of 1987. However, if you'd like more information about this legendary downtown publication and for archives and exclusive merchandise, including East Village Eye t-shirts and accessories, go to eastvillageeye.com or printedmatter.org. This is the East Village Eye on jasoncharles.net. Hello, I'm Evie Grieve, your host for the East Village Eye on jasoncharles.net. And we are here in this episode at the Tompkins Square branch of the New York Public Library at 331 East 10th Street between Avenue A and Avenue B. And our guest is the branch manager, Corinne Neary. Hello, Corinne. Hello. Thank you for letting us come into the library today. And then don't know if we, it's okay to say we're here just a, slightly before opening time to the rest of the public. So yeah, thank, thank definitely. You thank you for coming in early. And we have some kids in the background in case anyone hears some kids. It's what's going on. It's a kids. There's a class visit going on uh, from the earth school, I think. And then okay. we have another class visit in a few minutes from another public school. So that's a popular thing in the mornings before we open. I almost called it a children's happy hour, and I thought that's not quite probably the right <laughs> term to use. But uh, for, uh, them, for them, for them, is. yes, yeah. it's very happy. Well, anyway, we're happy to be here in this great building. This is really, um, when you think of buildings around these villages, this is really one of the more iconic ones, that I, mm-hmm. in my opinion, here right across the street from Tompkins Square Park. Can, can we just start out talking a little bit about the history of this building? As I, my, my little research, I saw that the building opened here in 1906. Could you talk a little bit it's more? 1904. Oops. Okay. Yeah. First fact check of the program. Thank you. Uh, December 1st, 1904, I think, was the opening day. And, yeah, it's a Carnegie Library, which you can probably tell by looking at the, sort of has that iconic Carnegie look with the arches and the windows. I believe it was the ninth Carnegie Library in the city. Okay. Um, yeah, 1904 it opened, and it's been open ever since, except for, you know, a couple of quick renovations. Where was the branch before? It was actually here on 10th Street. What, what, what was servicing the neighborhood at that time? There was a previous incarnation. It was the 5th Street branch of the Aguilar Free Library. And there were a couple of library systems operating in New York at that time. Um, The Aguilar Free Library was one. There was the New York Society Library and the New York Public Library. And they merged at the beginning of the century, 1901, I think, due to the grant from Andrew Carnegie, basically. He had pledged, I think, $5 million to build the system of branch libraries in the city. And he built uh, 60, I think there's 68 in the city, in the five boroughs wow. altogether. He did the libraries before he went into the deli business, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, it's a bad joke. Um, we've obviously only been into the public parts of the building as, as patrons here through the years. Are there any sort of like fun sort of facts about the building? Maybe there's a hidden swimming pool anywhere, like over at the Christodora House right around the corner from us on Avenue B. Yeah, surprisingly, um, and, you know, as a good thing, there's really not a lot of non-public areas in the building anymore. The third floor space, which I think housed the custodian's apartment, which people Mm. hear about sometimes. The buildings used to have custodians which lived full-time because they had to operate the furnace and stuff like that, um, has been the ESOL classroom upstairs for some years. 
and they have classes six days a week with the ESOL. So that's um, also a very busy part of the library. And then the basements, uh, we do most of our programs down there. So there's not that many hidden mm. nooks and crannies, unfortunately. So you don't have the, the, the hidden tour of the Tompkins Square Library branch or anything? That's not part of the programming? No, this... pretty much. You've, if you've come to the building a lot, you might have seen it all. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about the programming. One of the things that I love about this branch is when you're here, you feel like you're in the East Village. It has a very local neighborhood feel to it. Yeah. And without naming names, I've been to some other branches in the city. They're great. Obviously, provide a wonderful service to the neighborhood, but you don't necessarily feel like you're in that neighborhood. And here, I feel like I'm in the East Village. You have programming, obviously, related to the East Village, books of interest to people downtown. Could you talk a little bit about what what goes into some of the programming here at the library? Yeah, we, we work hard on the programs here, and we do spend a lot of time on that. Um, the children's programs, of course, are huge, and they that's you know something that's been going on for a long time. But in the past couple of years, we've built up the adult programs a lot. And we do have an interest in the neighborhood history when we're working on some of those programs. And actually, we have something new coming up related to the, the local history collection. We're expanding it quite a bit. Um, soon there will be many more books. We sort of have a little pocket collection coming okay. uh, that will stay here at this branch. You can check it out, but it won't um, travel around to other branches. When it's returned, it will stay here. And it's part of a project we're doing with the coffee shop, uh, the Ninth Street Espresso. Okay. We're going to be doing a pop-up library in the coffee shop a couple of times a month for the next year or so. Wow. With is, a local history collection. Would that be both branches? There's a Ninth Street on 10th Street, which is right next to the library, then there's the actual Ninth Street Espresso. Ninth Street the original Conf- location, right? Okay. No, I yes. think this is going to be next door for right. now. Yeah, but maybe expanding to the Ninth Street location wow, in the that, future. That's great. It's a, we're having a bit of a, a new scoop here on on, the, yeah, on this podcast. You heard it here uh, first. Wow, that's great. What when? What's the timing on that? I should be starting at the end of April. Okay, something like that. We'll keep an eye at that. Uh, I perhaps that'll show up. I'm Evie Grieve and I so I'm putting a plug for my blog here, eviegrieve.com. Now in its twelfth year of covering these village, so that'll definitely be a nice item for the site. Um, I, you know, one of my favorite things about just looking at the uh, the programming, the the film selection. I remember back in January, you had films. Myrna Loy, I believe, it was her yeah. celebrating a birthday. You had some of the Thin Man movies, and even going to. I remember last year, I thought it was a very bold choice. You had you showed Mother, yeah, Darren Aronofsky <laughs> film, and I thought I saw that, and I just sort of laughed because I'm when I saw that in the theater, people at the end of the film were angry. It's a disturbing movie. Yeah, people were angry. <laughs> leaving like you know heading to the box office to ask for the money back or something yeah. but could you talk a little bit specifically i mean i we could probably talk about all the individual program i don't want to just focus too much on the film but that's something that's always been of interest to me well we do play a lot of older movies you probably noticed um because that's a personal interest of mine if you follow our instagram page you'll see a lot of old hollywood stuff that's just something that i'm personally interested in so i try to i don't know i always have the idea in terms of programming that you have to go out with something you're interested in and also something that you think the public is interested in too. But if you don't really care about it, then it doesn't really, it's not going to fly. Right. You know, it won't really take off. So old movies is something I've been into since I was a, a kid and I maintain that sort of obsession to this day. So that's why we play a lot of those old, you know, we're mostly doing these days a lot of pre-code movies, you know, the early 1930s. Which tends to bring in a certain audience. 
I don't know why. Okay. Well, I, I think that's great. That's, you know, there's kinds of things you, some of these you probably can't even see on like Turner Classic or something on cable. And, and, uh, and obviously I've seen too, you know, you, um, I think it was earlier in, in March, I think you had the green room, you know, some yeah. like a recent Oscar film and, you know, obviously a lot of stuff for, for kids as well. Was it, I, I'm not into, I, I don't have children, so I, I'm not really a hip on all the kids' movies, but like Ralph Wrecks the Internet, I yeah, think. Yeah, we was. do kids' movies every Monday afternoon. I think uh, the children's librarian who does the kids' movies used to do a read-aloud um, on Mondays. She moved that to another day because Monday she just thought the kids are a little hyped up when they come in in the afternoon. So we started <laughs> trying the movies on the, That's just a Monday thing. Okay. Um, but it tends, to, it tends to work. Can we talk about some of the other programming? You, you've been kind enough uh, to send me a link to, hey, this is... It's March. Here's what's going on at the library, or, and I'm going through the. It's it's crazy how much stuff you offer. I mean, crazy in a good way of how much stuffs you know bead making classes, book readings, the films which we've already talked about. I mean, there's I don't know how many things are going on at any certain time. Oh, a lot. Some days we have programs back to back all day. We might have eight programs going on through the day, something like that, and it gets a little bit hard to keep up with at times. And <laughs> I think we're booked through through the end of June right now in terms of adult programs. But it's fun. That's what I enjoy the most. Is this something as branch manager? I mean, is this kind of the, the library kind of leaves it up for you for the programming? Or is there sort of certain, is this something you're supposed to require to do X amount of hours every month of community programming? The branches do have a good amount of autonomy in what they do. Okay. Um, definitely. So we have certain things that we're supposed to, you know, look at in terms of what we want to offer in a way like you know we try to focus when we can on a lot of literary programs you know because we are a library after all um but we don't stick only to literary programs we do arts um related programs a lot because one of our librarians has an interest in in visual arts and another librarian does music classes because he's a musician so we it tends to be driven a little bit by the interests and talents of the staff right there's also like exercise. I mean, like yeah. yoga, I believe, is one yeah, of Yeah, the... we have a couple of yoga teachers, and we also have a, it's called Body Blast, mm. you know, Monday nights, sort of a cardio yes. exercise. Okay. Where, I, I've, I'm not too familiar with that. Where is that in the library? In the basement. In the basement. Yeah, most, okay. most of these things are in the basement. Uh, the room we're sitting in now, um, the small program room we use for some adult programs, like book discussions, craft programs, things like that. Most of the larger programs are downstairs. From here on out, this room will be known as the podcasting room. <laughs> and we'll have the jasoncharles.net plaque out front. <laughs> a kind donation to the, to the library. Well, and also just we, we talked a little bit about, you know, focusing on the local community. And can we talk a little bit more about that as well? You've had special events. You've had the East Village Arts Festival, for instance. And yeah. you had the Gallery Walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those things going to continue on? Yeah. I mean, we did our second annual arts festival this past December. And... We will do something again. We haven't really decided what form it will take because this year, we, the first year it was a one-day sort of bonanza. We had 20-something programs through the building all in one day. Uh, this year we decided to expand it to two weeks, partially to simplify it in a way because it's difficult to have all those things going on at once, but also to make it bigger. So we might, you know, we need to sort of look and see how that came out pluses and minuses when we go into planning this coming year. Um, we might end up doing a weekend or something like that. Probably will change a little bit until we find the perfect sort of formula. In terms of reaching out to other businesses and organizations in these village, I mean, are you finding a, some, a lot of camaraderie and community spirit when you reach out to these folks? I w- yeah. Um, there's an organization called the EVCC, 
East Village Community Coalition, I believe. Um, and Laura Sewell is the head of that, and she's wonderful. She has um, contacts with a lot of these local businesses, and she will, you know, sort of help us reach out to them. And they have, you know, taken part in the festival, offering prizes and sort of um, other things. And um, that's a great organization to partner with. And also, one of the things, too, I know you've done several of the uh, tours of Tompkins Square Park. Yeah, we do walking tours. Uh, we have one coming up in May as our next one. It's fun. We have done a few different versions, and we did a LGBT writers and artists of the neighborhood last time, which was a little bit expanded outside of the park area. And um, We've done a, one's focus on the immigrants in the area. We've done an early history of the park, I think, at one point. Um, it's fun to do that because I get to learn about the neighborhood, too. Uh, which is something I didn't know too much about when I came to this branch. Um, from the West Village, I knew a lot about that library and that you know neighborhood, but this is a learning thing for me still over here. Who has been doing some of these walks with you? Who's been your tour guide? Uh, Michael Paul is my partner. Okay. So a local guy, photographer. You probably know him. I do know Michael. Yeah. I know I'm familiar <laughs> with his photography work. He has sent along some excellent tips. New coffee shop opening on 14th Street. So. <laughs> we have fun working together because we're, right. we're very different, you know. Hmm. Um, I'm a little bit organized, and he's sort of the opposite, but he brings a sort of fun excitement to the tour, which I don't have personally. You know, he has the jokes, he has the memories of the neighborhood, that kind of thing that he'll pull in, you know, um, and I'm more memorizing my lines about the history, you know. <laughs> so it's like, we're like a, it's like a, you know, opposites attract kind of thing. And I think Michael Paul works in part-time at the East Village Vintage Collective, which was the our location of our last East Village Eye. So yeah, it's a great it, store. Yeah, we have this. Moving forward, we'll have to always have Michael Paul somehow be involved. He has to be involved. Yeah, so. Well, I know the, I remember the, one of the walks in the last summer, I walked through and there was like, why are 60 people just gathered around yeah. over here? And that's, and it We have like had a, a lot of people come at times, like sometimes I think this, we should have done a limit, you know, but right. we never expected that many people to come. Right. It's kind of exciting to have a huge crowd, but also terrifying. Right. You know? <laughs> I joined. I was in the back. I was heckling like, uh, yeah. Surprisingly, we haven't really had a heckler yet. I'm always thinking sometime, at some point we're going to. And we always start off the tour saying, we really don't know anything. We are total, you know, amateurs. Please be kind to us just to bring the expectations down low. Yes, and you you, know. and maybe have like a line, something about, we are not responsible for any of the drunk brunch crowd who happens to be <laughs> passing through the park to, you know. Yeah, to, unlimited mimosas, I, right? Exactly. Um, we talked a little bit about the history. and the, the. Could you talk a little bit more about, again, some of these programs? It's It seems like the local history is really important to you and to the library. And, I mean, what could you talk just a little bit more how you make that connection and bring all these things together into the programming? Yeah, um, we had a program this past fall which was related to an exhibition one of the librarians worked on, um, sort of pictures and ephemera of the neighborhood from the 1980s. And we had a panel discussion with Clayton Patterson and uh, Penny Arcade and Chris Rail, and it was moderated by a history librarian from the 42nd Street Library, uh, Andy McCarty, who's great. And we had 120 people come to that, I think, which was well above what we could really handle. You know, not everybody could fit in the room. Um, but that's sort of a, a good problem for us to have in a way. Right. We always want people to to notice our program. So when we had something like that, it made us realize people are interested in the history of the neighborhood. And I think they also like to hear from people who actually were there and are still around. Right. You know. So uh, we're definitely going to be working on more things like that in the future. 
I am Evie Grieve, and you're listening to the East Village Eye on jasoncharles.net. We are here at the Tompkins Square branch of the New York Public Library on East 10th Street in the East Village, and we're talking with branch manager Corinne Neary. Can you talk about here what, what are some of the more popular items? Like what, what are people really coming in for to use or what to, what to find? In terms of use, you know, DVDs are actually surprisingly quite popular in our, in what people are checking out here. And I will say the children's books, the kids and the parents come in and they will return 30 or 40 books and check out another 30 or 40 books. <laughs> I didn't know you could take out that many at a oh, time. Oh, you can have 50 out. 50, is that yeah, right? you can have 50 items out. Wow. And the kids actually really take advantage of that. And the books are so thin. You know, they can, they can make a pile of 50 books and it's, you know, not right. as big as the pile of 50 books for you might be. Right. Um, it's pretty amazing. We can never keep up with the shelving in the children's room which is a, a good problem to have. Right. Wow. Well, I think when I was a kid, my local library could only take out like eight. And so if I had 50, <laughs> I would have taken all 50 of the Hardy's, Hardy Boys out. I don't know if time. you've ever been in here at, you know, 4 p.m. on a weekday, this room. Yeah. It's, you can't even see the floor. There are people everywhere, especially if it's a rainy day. Just look out. Right. When I see it raining, I think, okay, <laughs> let's get ready. Bring, here they come. Bring in some extra help. To, yeah. Um, in terms of books, too, I was curious, as far as the selection goes, we talked a little bit about you have a lot of books of interest to downtown history mm-hmm. and, and people in, in this neighborhood, but just, just like the general circulation books, like the Michelle Obama autobiography. Yeah. How how does that how does that selection process work? I mean, do you get the the main branch? Okay, you here's ten of this, ten of that are the most popular things, or do you put in? I don't know. Could you? I won't in keep rambling. In terms of those new best selling books, um, like the Michelle Obama memoir, those um, are purchased by a central department. And they sort of get distributed to the branches. Uh, what we do here in terms of our own selection is we curate a lot of the staff picks. So we put a lot of books on hold for our own branch. To ha- All the books that you see on display when you're coming in and out, those are books that the librarians have, have picked to be there. And a lot of them we, we put on hold. So we can shape our collection to some degree that way. Of late, what's been like the, you talked about some of the kids' books, but maybe just for the more of like the adult circulation, what has been like the, one of the hottest ticket items here? Well, this isn't really a, a new one, but th- at this branch, I will say that St. Mark's is Dead, the ah, Ada Calhoun book. Yes. That is an ever present um, popular book at this branch. It goes in and out all the time. We always try to keep you know, five copies on hand um, because they just fly, it just flies off the shelf. It is a great book, and I, um, I am actually quoted in it just in one night. Oh. Just I need to get that up front it's a disclaimer but it I is love a, that book myself it's it, really good yes I agree well that's uh, I'll have to tell her that or maybe I'll tell her to listen to this episode on jasoncharles.net um, you mentioned DVDs too I, it's been a few years ago I actually did a post about the DVDs that came in here and took some stealth photos of the DVD collection I hope that was okay and uh, <laughs> I post you know I think some people are surprised how deep the collection is here it's not you know you have some you know there's some more mainstream films but you have some some really great films from the 70s some and bought good foreign films anyway, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great collection yeah no we have a lot of um, foreign films and older movies and we have a, a much bigger DVD selection here than we did even a couple of months ago because the library has moved into a different model for DVDs, you might have heard, um, or maybe not, where not all branches have them. We are what's called a DVD hub now. Oh, I, I did not know that, so, actually. So, yeah, uh, you know, some of our neighboring branches, like Ottendorfer and Hamilton Fish, they right. don't have DVDs on the shelf. Uh, the patrons can still put them on hold to pick up at their branches. Huh. But if you want to browse a collection, this is sort of the East Village 
place to come. Are they implying that perhaps the DVD is dead, or is it just they don't just see as much interest there? It's not dead, but I think the production of them is going to be slowing down at some point in the future. And, you know, in order to maximize what's on the shelf, they're limiting it a little bit in terms of where. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm asking in part two for personal reasons because my DVD player, I still have a DVD player, which some people make fun of me for, for some reason, but it's on its last legs and I'm debating whether to buy a new DVD player. Uh, You know, I don't use mine much these days, to Mm. be honest, but Mm -hmm. a lot of people here at this branch, I will say, you know, the limit of DVDs is 10, what you can have out. Then people, we have a lot of people who return 10 and take 10, return 10. That's all they, you know, they don't watch, they don't have cable, they don't do Netflix, they just use the library. Okay. So, so you're not really helping with my dilemma if I should get a new DVD player. Yeah, go for it. We can, okay. I mean, you can get one for like ten dollars. It's true. I think <laughs> I think the Radio Shack closed though. That was my go-to place over on Broadway. But uh, okay, can you talk a little bit about? It? I mean, I, I my mother still works at a library. She's been a librarian my entire life. She's uh, and I kind of grew up in a library. I'd go there after school and hang out with her a little bit. I think she put me to work shelving stuff, and you know, I'd always sit and read and. You know, to this day, she's 82, and she still works part-time at, uh, at her local library. And so, I mean, libraries are very special places to me and have been my whole life. I'm just curious uh, for you if you want to talk a little bit about uh, your own relationship with uh, libraries. And, and this is sort of a two-part question, maybe. Uh, what's your favorite part about working here? Well, I also grew up going to the library a lot, not because my mother worked there, but my mother worked a lot. She was a lawyer, um, and she worked... I don't know, I'm going to guess 60, 70 hours a week, something like that. So I was, you know, downtown at her office a lot. She would take me to the library. I'd pick up a bunch of books, take them back to her office. So that was something I grew up doing a lot. You know, I didn't always have the dream to work in a library. I came to it a little bit later. And I, you know, started when I was in my late 20s, I guess, almost 30, which for NYPL is sometimes surprisingly late. A lot of people Hmm. who work at the NYPL have been working here since they were, you know, teenagers or early 20s. Um, we call them lifers, I think is the term. <laughs> <laughs> um, like that. So I came to it a little bit late, but um, I was drawn to it for, for some reason. I was working as a waitress for many years, and it's in a way it's sort of surprisingly similar, you know, dealing with, um, with people, you know, um, is the best part of the job, but it also can be the most challenging part. So if you've been working in, you know, public service, customer service for a long time, it's not too much of a jump. If you are interested, you know, in books and, and other library, library things, it was sort of a natural jump for me. We've talked a lot about programming here. I know there's the NYPO has the ongoing Stonewall 50. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about what some programs currently going on now and what are some things uh, coming up in the future? Yeah, the Stonewall 50, um, if anyone's not familiar with it, is a sort of series of programs all over the library system um, related to a, an exhibition at the, the main library at 42nd and 5th. It's, you know, the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots this year. And we are a hub location for those programs also. So we have a bunch. Uh, the next two we have coming up are related to the Drag March. Um, so we have a couple of um, things if you p- took part in the drag march, if you're, you know, just heard about it or saw it, or even if you're just interested in it, ways you can participate. And also, it doesn't have to be limited to people who participated in the drag march, but it's also open to people who, you know, participated or do participate in LGBTQ nightlife or activism. 
Um, anyone who has stories to share can can come into these things. Our next one is the Drag March sort of writing workshop. And I think for a lot of people, too, uh, the Drag March, it starts in Tompkins Square Park, which, mm-hmm. as we said earlier, is right across the street here from the branch. And even though it's a little chilly day today, I think a lot of people are thinking ahead uh, to the summer. I think there's probably yeah. some special things going on here this summer. We have a lot of special things happening this summer, uh, including the... New York Public Library system-wide summer reading kickoff will be at this branch, which is really exciting for us. It's the first time, and it's quite a big event. It's going to be on June 6th, which is a school holiday. Um, It's going from 11 to 3.30. We have a lot of programs. Drag Queen Story Hour will be there. We have different authors coming. We have a lot of crafts, read-alouds, activities, face painting, henna tattoos, photo booths, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be in Tompkins Square Park. Rain permitting. Rain permitting. Yeah, so just keep your fingers crossed for, okay. a, for a nice day. Okay, no rain. I think people who want to find more about activities, maybe some of the movies that are coming up, and obviously you can just you know do a search and find the Tompkins Square branch on the World Wide Web. And one thing where we're talking about the Internet and social media, I love your Instagram account. The, the branch's uh, Instagram account is very fun. You had the, I think it was about a couple weeks ago, where someone randomly sent you a postcard oh yeah someone has been doing that that what what is that could you talk a little bit about yeah that? i don't know who it is but i i hope they're listening now <laughs> <laughs> because um they've only sent two postcards so far but one was a picture a postcard of the Flatiron building last year with no you know caption no message just addressed to us and then they recently sent one from a national park I think it was, now I'm forgetting what national park. It was Montana or North Dakota, something like that. I think it was like Teddy Roosevelt yeah. National Park. So, and again, no caption. The right. handwriting's the same. And I thought, oh my God, they're back. And it's it's uh, postmarked though in New York. Yeah. There, so they're not actually they in there. North Dakota somewhere. I think that's great. Yeah, I, I love that. I don't know why they're thinking of us, but right. um, I appreciate it. This is going into my novel and screenplay, just dibs, <laughs> just FYI. And also just the Instagram account too. You had, um, I think, Gosh, was it last summer? Someone returned a book here that mm-hmm. had been checked out, like, I don't know, what year, in the 70s? Or oh, yeah. What was I can't remember the exact date, but it was just something that somebody had this book checked out for 35 years, and they decided to return they it to the branch. They just decided to return it, yeah, which, you know, happens occasionally. Hmm. This is also always exciting. And newspapers love that kind of story. You know, oh, there's yeah. always that, you know, story about someone returns a book that was last checked out in, you know, 1919 or something, and that gets, you know, gets a lot of press. Yeah, it's fun. It's usually happen- someone's cleaning out, you know, someone's apartment or something like that, and they find the book, and they feel terrible, and they bring it back in, something like that, you know? <laughs> and do you want to give your Instagram? Uh, a- yeah, it's um, Tompkins underscore square underscore library. Okay. It's, it's, it's easy to remember. Corinne, thank you for, uh, you know, talking to us uh, about the library here. And I don't know if there's any closing thoughts. You know, you can encourage people to use their local library brands or anything like that. Yeah, please come in and see us. You know, if you're in the neighborhood and you haven't been in for a while, there might be some things you haven't seen, some things you don't know that we're doing. And we'd love to have you. And maybe there'll be, a, I don't know, the next interesting film. Maybe you'll have, like, the David Lynch Film Festival here this uh, I'll summer. think about it. Okay. <laughs> I'm Evie Grieve for East Village Eye on jasoncharles.net. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to The East Village Eye on jasoncharles.net. The previous podcast is not affiliated with East Village Eye.
the monthly magazine of popular and avant-garde culture that existed in print from May 1979 to January of 1987. However, if you'd like more information about this legendary downtown publication and for archives and exclusive merchandise, including East Village Eye t-shirts and accessories, go to eastvillageeye.com or printedmatter.org. To continue to follow the podcast with E.B. Grieve, please keep an eye out for Eye on the East Village from Spotify, Apple Podcast, and jasoncharles.net podcast network talk shows. jasoncharles.net deep talk deep sounds that was so deep